So, um, I am so grateful to be a part of this sermon series that started about nine weeks ago. Uh, I've actually been able to keep up with everything, watch all of the, the great messages that have come from Chan and from David and from Dylan. Am I leaving anybody else out? And uh, if you haven't seen all of the messages so far, I want to encourage you to go to theridge.cc. You can click on a little uh, tab that says uh, watch, and then you can uh, see past sermons, and you can click on the series called Summer on the Mount. Summer on the Mount. It's a play on words, like Sermon on the Mount, but Summer on the Mount. Uh, And so if you guys are watching and you haven't done that, go ahead and catch up with those messages. Um, They've covered everything from how we should treat our enemies uh, to how we should trust God for his provision. Uh, before I share about the, ne- the next set of verses in our series, I want to orient you to the context of this, of this text. Uh, the Sermon of the Mount is found in the book of Matthew, and it's Jesus' longest recorded sermon. His audience is mostly Jewish people who are already acquainted with the law. Um, great crowds have been following Jesus because he's been performing miracles, having this amazing teaching, and they just want to be, they're like groupies, they want to follow Jesus everywhere he goes. Uh, And he also has his disciples there. So this particular text uh, begins with Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter 5, going up on a mountain and teaching these folks and his disciples. So the message for today runs from Matthew chapter 5, verse. sorry, the message overall is Matthew chapter 5, verse 2, until Matthew verse 7, 27. So the portion that we're going to look at today is, is found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. So if you have a Bible, you want to look at the screen, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Here's what it says. Some of you are more oral learners than you are you know, readers, so I understand that. So just listen. Uh, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets." So let's take a deeper dive into these messages. Now, I, you know, when I went to seminary, my teachers were like really serious about not making these texts say things that you want them to say. So if you're thinking that I'm going to like tell you how to be super rich and like have your own yacht and that kind of stuff because Jesus said ask, that's not going to happen today. Let's kind of look at these texts, um, this text slowly, line by line, and that's what we call exegesis. Exegesis is when you pull from the text what it is supposed to say instead of eisegesis, where you make the Bible say what you want it to say. God forbid that I do that today. God forbid that Chan does that either, right? I've watched him. He's faithful. You have a good pastor who, um, who, who is very faithful at honoring the text. So, amen. So the first word in our passage is ask. Jesus tells the crowd to ask. And all this means is to make a request. Not to declare and decree. Mom, can I have my allowance now? Daddy, would you help me with my jammies? Chan, can I have an extra hour for this sermon? (laughs) Right, ask. Pardon me, would you happen to have any gray poupon? Would you please pass the jelly? (laughs) Now, you older folks 
may remember those references. <laughs> Younger people, there are YouTube videos that have those things, so you can check them later. Um, but the hope of the asker is to receive something from the hearer. It could be information, it could be something material, it could be something supernatural. Whatever the request, it's clearly not something the asker has in his or her possession. Now, in our text for today, the word ask is, what, uh, is in what we call a present active imperative. All of you English majors, a present active imperative. Um, and so it's a command, but it's not just a one-time thing. It has a continuous sense to it. And so it would almost read as ask and keep asking. But what is Jesus telling the crowd to ask for? He says to ask for it. It will be given to you. What's it? We have no idea what it is. At this point in the sermon or at this point in the text, we have no idea what it's referring to. Um, but based on the examples, thank you, Ken, um, of a child asking his father for bread or fish in verses 9 and 10, we could surmise that it refers to the necessities of life, what we need to survive. Just a chapter before in the Lord's Prayer, we hear um, Jesus teaching his disciples you know, pray for daily bread. Our Father in heaven, yada, 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 uh, give us this day our daily bread. So we see um, this example of asking for things that are related to what we need to survive. We don't see any examples of saying, hey, Jesus, I need a nice pair of sandals to go with my tunic, right? Or I, I want to pray for a really nice dinner cruise on the Sea of Galilee. We don't see those kinds of things. Um, so we can conclude that verse 7 could read, ask for what you need to survive and it will be given to you. But anything beyond our basic necessities would be inappropriate to ask for, right? Right? Wrong. It seems to me that based on biblical examples, as well as the fatherhood of God, that God can handle other requests as well. Think of Hannah in the book of 1 Samuel. She desperately desired a son. Now a son is not daily bread. A son is not a necessity. Perhaps in a future sense, a son is, but asking for a son wasn't essential. But yet God heard the cry of her heart, which later we discover was a part of God's redemptive plan. Solomon asked God for wisdom to lead his people. It was what he needed to fulfill his purpose. Um, so we could argue that it refers to God-given desires that are in line with God's purposes. And yet, I want to suggest one more thing. I'd like to suggest that we can also ask God for the, des for the desires of our heart that have nothing to do with kingdom purposes. Hey, Dad, can I have 20 bucks to go to the movies? <laughs> in verse 11, Jesus paints a picture of God the Father as being even better than the fallen marred by sin, earthly fathers. Raise your hand, uh, hand uh, dad's in the building. Raise your hand, dad's in the building. Okay, so you've just had a hearty lunch and you've decided to take your kids on a walk. It's a day that's really hot like today and all of a sudden you hear, you look up and there's an ice cream truck and your kid says to you, dad, can we have some ice cream? Right, what do you say? Children, that's not a broccoli truck or a bread truck. It's not a necessity. Therefore, I will not buy you any ice cream. Now, dads, would you say that to your kids? Now, if you would, keep your hand down. Just, just humor me. Humor me. <laughs> humor me. <laughs> of course not. 
Because um, sometimes we just give our kids good things because we love them. We often see God as super serious, as angry, um, and we don't see that lighthearted aspect of God that we can easily see uh, in, our, in our own fathers. Um, but God is also a God, of, he's a God of beauty and laughter, one who delights in his creation. And I think that's why in this text, God uh, or Jesus doesn't issue strict parameters as to what it is. Ask and it will be given to you. So let's continue with the verse. It says, it will be given. Now, when I read that, I think to myself, what? Like, I'm going to get whatever I ask for? Like, if I just say, God, give me a million bucks, boom. It will be given. The Bible says it will be given. Oh, God, I've been playing these same six Powerball numbers for the past <laughs> 10 years. And like that preacher said on the stage, I just want to ask and it will be given to me because I sure do need a half a billion dollars <laughs> for my relaxation, right? <laughs> uh, now, I don't think that that's what God has in mind. Um, it seems to me that uh, what he says in the scriptures, as well as what's been my life experience, um, is that God is sovereign in answering his requests. There's no formula to make him move. There's no magic to make him respond. What we do see, however, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount are some basic principles that should shape the way that we ask. Perhaps God considers these. Again, as, as this series has helped us to see, and Chan and Dylan F. David has said, uh, this is not about a bunch of rules to follow. It's about postures of the heart that can help us to connect well with God and link, live a kingdom life. So here's what we've learned so far from the book of Matthew that can shape the way that we ask. Our asking should be according to what we see in Matthew chapter 4 and not be a contradiction to the scriptures nor to the will of God. So asking for evil things, God, kill my neighbor, right? Or asking for things that deny God his due glory are the wrong things to ask for. We see Satan asking in the wrong manner. Um, our asking should be done from a place of having reconciled relationships with others. We should try to have no unforgiveness or unresolved issues. Uh, Matthew 6, uh, 23 through 24 helps us to understand this context. Now, even though it's in the context of giving, I would venture to say that it matters a lot to God and could even impact our giving, what our relationship is with others. Our asking should also be done in the context of crucifying our lust to the cross of Christ. It's very easy to allow our deceitful hearts to mislead us and cause us to ask for things that are, that are based on that lust. That's what Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30 tells us. Our asking should also be done in relation to our, uh, excuse me, our asking in relation to our enemies should be rooted in love and not in revenge. We see that in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 47, love and not hate. Our asking shouldn't be like that of the hypocrites who are prideful and draw attention to themselves. Our asking should be done in faith with the awareness that God knows what we need before we even ask him. Our asking should be done with a humble reverence for a holy God who is much bigger, much more powerful, and much more awesome than we are. That's why the Lord's Prayer begins with, Our Father in heaven. I mean, doesn't that make him seem like super awesome? He's in heaven. He's not down here. He is down here, but you know what I mean. Um, our asking should be done in a way that we recognize God is our source, and thus our allegiance should be to him and not the things that we ask for. For example, money. Money should never become our, our God. 
He should always be our God. God should be our God. Our asking should also be done in a way that we recognize um, that uh, God has a good heart and we shouldn't be filled with anxiety. If God himself can take care of the birds and the flowers, he can sure, certainly take care of us, people who are made in his image. That's what Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34 remind us of. Now, at the risk of being repetitive, I'll say it again. These are not laws. These are simply postures of the heart. They help us to get our flesh out of the way and to help us to focus on God's way of doing things. So let's continue with verse 7. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Um, Now you, Jesus is obviously speaking to the people in the crowd and to his own disciples, but Jesus hadn't forgotten us. And that's why in verse 8 he says, for everyone who asks receives. We, my friends, are a part of the everyone, even if we weren't a part of the you at that time. Now we come to the word seek. Again, this word is in the uh, present active imperative. To seek is to search out, to look for with intent. We've seen this word before recently in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We've also seen it in places like Jeremiah 29, 13, when God says to the exiles, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. Now make no mistake about it, our praying should not just consist of seeking for the things that we need and want. We should also seek, seek God and his kingdom purposes. God desires to be found by us. He may seem a bit evasive at times, but he wants us to seek him and his heart, not just his hand. Amen? Finally, we come to the word knock, yet another word that's associated with prayer. How are we to knock? with boldness and persistence. A similar ask, seek, knock passage is found in the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. Here, Jesus is, people, uh, is speaking to people on the plane. Not an airplane, Chan. A flat piece of land. Sermon on the mount, mountain, but he also, in another place, speaks to people on a plane. <laughs> now, um, I know it's a dad joke, right? Um, But Jesus tells a parable of a man who is bold in his appeal to a friend for bread uh, for a visitor who has come to town. The friend responds because of the man's unashamed boldness. All throughout the Bible, we read of such people like this who have this boldness in their asking of God for things. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you remember the blind beggar uh, Bartimaeus prayed in that manner or spoke to Jesus? Even when people rebuked him for being so loud and obnoxious. Jesus pulled him aside and, uh, and answered his request. Blind Bartimaeus would not stop knocking. Think of the woman with the issue of blood. She kept pursuing and pressing in the crowd until she actually reached Jesus and touched the hem of his, gar- of his garment. What about the friends of the paralytic man who lowered their friend through the roof? Knock, 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 be persistent. Be bold in prayer, even on behalf of others. Now, in light of what we read in Matthew chapter 6, why is it necessary for us to ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking? Jesus says uh, in Matthew chapter 6, the the people who babble, uh, he says to them, our heavenly Father knows what we need before we even ask. Isn't this a direct contradiction 
Like, why are we asking, asking, asking if Jesus already knows what we need? Isn't that like logical sense? Like, it doesn't make sense, Jesus. Um, uh, now, if, if, if uh, sorry. Um, so Jesus says uh, that he knows before we ask. So if God knows what we need, why should we waste time in asking him? If the father simply said, I know what Richard is thinking at all times, so there's no need for him to ever to ask me for anything, uh, it would be kind of him, but Jesus knows, knows my own brokenness. I'd probably not talk to him very much, <laughs> you know, uh, because uh, I, would, you know, I wouldn't need to. So instead of thinking uh, that we can save our time and energy, we ask and seek and knock to keep ourselves in relationship with God. We're in regular communication with him like a child is in regular communication with his father. And we soon discover that our request being answered isn't the greatest thing. The greatest thing is the communion and fellowship that we have with God. Amen? Now, for some of us, this asking, seeking, knocking stuff is a bit intimidating. Perhaps we don't want to bother God, or perhaps we don't want to be a freeloader. So we work hard to earn it, to fix it, to deal with it until things get too bad. I think this is especially true for us who live in America, people who are raised to not depend on other people, right? I can do it myself. Thank you very much. But we have to challenge that notion and always be in a position of dependence upon God. Perhaps some of us are afraid of God rejecting our requests because we don't think he cares or because we don't think we're good enough. Some in this room have had painful relationships with your fathers. Perhaps your father was harsh and like a drill sergeant. You feared asking for things because of the way your request, no matter how innocent, would be rejected. Or perhaps your father made you work for everything. Now even as an adult, you can't fathom a God who gives things freely to you. So instead of asking, you become self-sufficient. Sisters and brothers, we have to fight the lies of the enemy and lean into what we know to be true of God. The God of the Bible is a loving Father. As the text says in verses 9 through 11, God is better, better than an earthly father. Hey, Daddy, I'm hungry. Here, son, have a bag of rocks. <laughs> right? Daddy, oh, may I have some fish, please? Nah, son, take this the snake instead. I see how comical that is. Uh, then why do we expect less of God? Why do we characterize him as one who is stingy or unwilling to give? Now, the Luke version of this passage includes another strange pairing, a son who asks for an egg but gets a scorpion. Um, about eight years ago, my wife needed some eggs. Uh, since we have been having some marital conflict around money, you guys don't know about that, right? It happens to just me. Um, I'm like the Dave Ramsey nerd. She's like the Dave Ramsey free spirit. But, but it works. <laughs> in a positive way. In a positive way, right? Uh, so she was a bit gun shy about spending our budget because she had kind of run out of the money for the month. And so she said, uh, I'm going to just not spend any extra money. Plus, I want to save some extra money to deal with our school loans. Uh, now, Amanda was a part of Bible study fellowship that year. And her text that she had to read for that particular day was Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, which says, ask. So she decided, you know what, if this is in the Bible, I'm going to actually test God, and not test God, but I'm going to actually try this out and ask God for eggs. So the next day, Amanda went to Bible study fellowship, and after a wonderful teaching, she was in the parking lot getting into her car, and this uh, custodian approaches her, and he says, ma'am, I have a question for you. Do you need any eggs? 
And my wife was just totally speechless. She was floored. She had no idea what to say. And the guy says, by the way, do you need any diapers? Now, my wife had been also using cloth diapers to save money, so we didn't have to spend money on diapers. So this guy goes away. He returns with literally seven cartons of eggs. Now, seven is an amazing number, right? Seven cartons of eggs and tons of diapers. And Amanda was just still speechless. Uh, Now, Dylan has also shared some stories like this in one of his messages uh, in which God has done some amazing things in response to our asking. And I'm sure that you all have stories as well. So um, I encourage you, uh, have the boldness, have the courage to ask God. Again, we have boundaries as to how we ask, but ask God and see what he does. Um, Now, the question you might be asking is, why aren't all of our requests answered? God, do you hear me? The text says, it will be given. Uh, Now, I really wish that I could answer that question for us today. Uh, But my vantage point is very limited. God can't be controlled. He's sovereign. I honestly don't know why God grants some things to some of us and doesn't grant the requests of other people. Um, There are some of you who have have asked God for things repeatedly. Uh, Things for, uh, like, like healing a loved one who's very ill. Uh, You've prayed for financial difficulties. You've prayed for your marriage. Uh, You've prayed to be married, and you're still single. Um, My family was just in Idaho, and we just wanted to go to an amusement park, you know, and it was going to be like 70 bucks a person. There's seven of us, so we were like, God, please give us tickets. And this woman gave us 12 entry passes to Silverwood. Now, why did God get my family into an amusement park for free, and he didn't answer your more serious request? I have no idea. And I can't really explain that. Um, But I just want to encourage you to keep praying, to keep asking, uh, to keep knocking, to keep seeking. God does hear you. Um, Don't give up in prayer. Amen? Don't give up on God. Now, in this passage, Jesus is calling us to trust the heart of God. He is good. He's better than an earthly father, even when he doesn't give us what we request. And we have to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. So finally, let's take a a look at verse 12. Um, Now, everybody in their grandmamas knows this verse, right? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and prophets. Now, we're jumping from this asking thing to what we call the golden rule. And this verse pretty much needs no explanation. It's a pretty easy verse to understand, right? You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Um, Do you want somebody to cheat you out of money? No? Sure? Nobody? You don't want anybody to cheat you out of money? Do you want somebody to bully you? Then don't bully others. Do you want people to pray for you? Then pray for others. (laughs) Do you want people to extend grace to you? Then extend grace to others. I mean, how much more simple can you be? Um, what this verse is saying is that in the Old, uh, is that in the Old Testament, there's this uh, collectively the, the first five books of the, uh, the Bible or the Pentateuch was called the Law, and everything else was called the Prophets. So um, when he says the Law and the Prophets, he's referring to the Old Testament. Uh, now when we read this, he's dealing with our, Jesus is dealing with our treatment of other people, and we realize very quickly that something is missing, right? Something is what's missing? I'll tell you. This is just simply shorthand for saying that this type of regard for others is essential to the life of a believer. It's how Jesus himself lived. But the part that's missing is what we read about later in Matthew chapter 22, verse 40, that loving our neighbor as ourself 
as well as loving God with our heart, soul, and mind is what the Law and Prophets is all about. So, yes, we are to treat others the way that we want to be treated, and that is the Law and the Prophets, but also the part about loving God is also Law and the Prophets, meaning these two things, if you love your neighbor as yourself, and if you love God, you've basically summed up the entirety of the Old Testament. That's how we should live in community. That's how we should um, live in response toward God. And that's what, what we at the Ridge Church are all about. We're about loving God, about loving people, and so we make a difference. Amen? So let's close there. Uh, be bold in your asking. Be diligent in your seeking. Be bold in your knocking. Be loving in your treatment of others. Um, I want to invite you to do this for Ethiopia today. Uh, right now, Ethiopia is in another situation where war has broken out again. We've had some issues coming from the east with Al-Shabaab. We've had some conflict with Egypt. We have some internal issues going on. And, um, and I want to invite you to ask and seek and knock on behalf of the country that our family has come to love, in addition to the things that you guys are already praying for. Um, let me just uh, pray right now, and then I want to invite Chan to come up and close us, all right? Lord, this is your word, and uh, we can have confidence that what it says is true. And, uh, and so we just want to respond in obedience to what we've read by asking on behalf of the country of Ethiopia that you would bring peace to this ancient land, that you would allow people to resolve these uh, generations-long conflicts that you would allow uh, mothers and fathers to be able to feed their children, that you would allow uh, this country to, um, to raise up believers who would be sent into all the world to be your witnesses. And uh, so today we just ask with the same boldness that Jesus taught us to, to have, that you would bless Ethiopia, even as you bless our own country. Um, Lord, we pray that uh, these words that have been shared today would bear fruit, uh, there's no point in just listening to a message and leaving here with no change whatsoever. So we pray that your spirit would take these words and use them to change hearts and to make an impact uh, in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.